I think generally sometimes adaptogens are thought of as just um, reactionary to something going on externally, but I do think it's important to also talk about that it can really impact emotional factors, internal factors, and even restore some of the body's physiological functions, which I think is unbelievably incredible. Um, and it can really increase the body's resilience to how it deals with stress. Hi, this is Dr. Ross Carter with the Regenerative Warrior Show. Uh, my uh, special guest today is Dr. Uh, Varanasi. Welcome to the show. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Perfect. So today we're going to talk about a cool topic uh, that I'm excited about, which is called uh, something called adaptogens. Um, so mm -hmm. if you're a provider and you're you're using these, you probably are very familiar with them, but a lot of providers are not so familiar with what an adaptogen is and how it, uh, how it works in the body and really what it does. So could you enlighten us today? <laughs> sure. Where would you like me to start? Just what an adaptogen is? Yeah, let's start, start with that? that. Let's start with some okay. basics. Sure. Yeah. So the term adaptogen actually was introduced into the scientific literature by this Russian toxicologist in the 1950s. So it's actually a pretty new term. Um, and overall, he defined it as a substance that can increase the state of nonspecific resistance. And so what he means by that is when we're looking at the stress response, there are three phases. So there's the alarm phase, the phase of resistance, and then the phase of exhaustion. And so what an adaptogen does is it actually increases that phase of resistance. So to give an example, the alarm phase is where that stressor occurs. So we could say it's like tiredness, for example. Okay. Um, and then the phase of resistance would be how your body is trying to cope with the tiredness. But if it's unable to cope efficiently, then it becomes fatigue. And then if you're getting to the phase of exhaustion, that's like when you get to burnout and breakdown and just that really phase of absolute exhaustion, very well named. Um, so adaptogens are able to prevent or really evade all of the issues that can come with exhaustion. And overall adaptogens are really there to help the body maintain its homeostasis or balance overall in all of the processes going on in the body. So it's really helping your body adapt to internal and external factors. So I think generally sometimes adaptogens are thought of as just um, reactionary to something going on externally. But I do think it's important to also talk about that it can really impact emotional factors, internal factors, and even restore some of the body's physiological functions, which I think is unbelievably incredible. Um, and it can really increase the body's resilience to how it deals with stress. Oh, fantastic. So, so is it, mm -hmm. does it work on one specific system of the body or is it, or is there multiple or how does that work? 
So it's really modulatory is the way that I think about it. So it's not really something that works on a specific system or like a specific receptor. And I think that's probably why it's like a little more confusing, um, especially when, so a lot of adaptogens are herbs. And when I've spoken to Western practitioners about herbs, they get a little confused because as Western practitioners, we're very used to the whole one molecule, one effect. And so when it comes to that, when we're looking at an herb specifically, and I'm talking about cannabis too, oh my gosh, they, they get so confused because they're like, oh, but it doesn't have that one exact effect and, and all of that. So really when we're looking at an herb, there's so many components and constituents and all those different things that can come together and synergize to have that overall therapeutic benefit. And it can work on so many different parts in the body. Um, and so adaptogens are like that and like they're, they're herbs. So they're a lot harder to understand rather than something like a prescription medication that we know has been like manufactured to work on a specific receptor and have that specific effect. And then we know all of the side effects that will come of it simply from the, the trials that have been done. Perfect. Perfect. So it's not a, a specific system of the body when we're talking about adaptogens. It's really all the systems, basically? Yeah. I mean, it, it's overall really modulating how a lot of the other systems are working. So the adaptogens don't specifically work on one system. And that's very much the case because the adaptogens really is such a huge class mm. of herbs that we can't really put it in like one system or one category. Gotcha. So, so what kind of herbs are mm -hmm. we talking about here? What, what, what are the main, uh, I guess, the herbs that uh, really do these functions? Yeah, so there are quite a few. I think some of the most popular right now are the medicinal mushrooms. So not the psychedelic ones, the medicinal ones, the functional mushrooms. So there's lion's mane and reishi and chaga is very popular, cordyceps being another one. So I think that that's a whole really like host of interesting mushrooms. And then apart from that, ashwagandha or withania somnifera is the, the scientific name. Um, that one is very popular, um, as well as rhodiola. A rhodiola rosea, um, very, very popular as well. Um, and then, of course, ginsengs that, you know, we've been talking about for years. So there's Asian ginseng and American ginseng and then Siberian ginseng. So I gotcha. So there are <laughs> mm -hmm. different types of ginseng depending on where they come from, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So it's actually really interesting because with American ginseng and Asian ginseng, yes, that does correspond to where they're from. But Siberian ginseng, does refer to where it is from. However, it's not actually a ginseng. It just really it functions a lot like the other two. And so it's just called a ginseng, but it really is a misnomer. Gotcha. So mm -hmm. I understand. So, 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 so Asian ginseng and American ginseng are not, are they actually ginseng? Yes, they are. They are. And they're really known for like energy and overall vitality. And then they've also been linked to improving cognitive function. So those are like the main things when I think of when I think of ginseng. Um, and they really do work very similarly. Um, they're just like where the origin is. They, they don't they don't have a conflict, do they? <laughs> because they're Asian. And um, w like within one within the other. Yeah, correct. Oh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know any patient that, that I've had or that I've heard of that's been taking both. Oh, okay. So they, they either take one mm -hmm. or the other. 
So, yeah, generally. And yeah. then that's a question that I get all the time is, oh, should I buy the Asian ginseng or should I buy the American ginseng? Um, so when it comes to that type of question, I, depending on the person's financial status, I'll generally just say start with the one that's less expensive as long as it's from a good brand and then go from there and see if it helps and then we can reevaluate after that. Gotcha. So you said mainly the mushrooms and some ginsengs and uh, some other, other uh, ros- what was it, rosea? Ro- ro- what was it? Um, rhodiola is one of them, rhodiola. ashwagandha and shizandra, probably some of the most common. Mm-hmm. So, so how does a person know uh, if an, well, if it, if it balances really any system that's out of balance, is that kind of the concept? Wouldn't that mm-hmm. basically be good for everyone to take all the time? Yes, absolutely. I think it's something that everyone should be taking, particularly with what's been going on over the past five months. I think that it could be so helpful for everyone. And I know that before adaptogens have really been used in that medicinal context for specific things, like I was saying, vitality when it comes to ginseng um, or like overall like energy boosting when it comes to cordyceps. But I think that a lot of people are really looking to adaptogens and taking them like in whether that's like a powder form or a capsule that has multiple adaptogens in it together right? Um, and really trying to get that full benefit from so many working together. So how does a, you know, how do providers or as well as patients know really how to get a good quality uh, adaptogen and what they should do um, so, because it doesn't sound like it, it goes after a specific condition. It's really any kind of imbalance, stress relation, cortisol, adrenals, you know, is it, what other systems uh, are they, they good for? I mean, obviously the, uh, the energy, but what, what else? Yeah. Um, so one of the great examples to answer that question would be rhodiola. Okay. So rhodiola is really great for mood balance. So a lot of patients that have mild depression and mild anxiety find a lot of relief from that. Um, and then rhodiola can also provide energy. And so especially for that patient that's feeling very down and they're not really feeling like getting up and doing anything, it can also help with that too, with some of the symptoms that come with um, feeling that mild depression. Got it. And so what, what have you found? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do, how does a person figure out which uh, adaptogen is the best one for their condition? Or, and how do they find mm-hmm. a, a quality one that actually would help them? Yeah, so I think that this is where a practitioner comes in really, really handy. Um, and there are so many practitioners that are doing telemedicine now, especially with you know, everyone kind of still in lockdown. So I think that that is a great opportunity um, to do that. Or like they can always reach out to me and just send me a quick question by email. I love answering questions. So something like that. But I really think when it comes to figuring that out and deciding, um, unless you're really like knee deep in all of the like literature that's out there, which most patients are not, right. then I think that it's great to consult someone who has that specialty. And there's actually really interesting research when it comes to the patient practitioner relationship and how that actually improves overall patient outcomes. So then the patient's more satisfied, the patient's feeling better. And then the practitioner also has that satisfaction. So it really is like, it really does impact and help everyone in the, in the situation if everyone's working together as a team. So I think that that could be really beneficial to just start that process. But of course, there is a lot of information online. So just trying to figure out 
what we can trust and what we can't. So making sure it's cited information, yeah. um, really looking into the author and seeing if we trust who the author is, I think is really important. And then when it comes to products, yes, about products. So I think that when it comes to that, so adaptogens would be considered like a dietary supplement rather than like a prescription medication, of course, or rather than like an over-the-counter allopathic medication. So when it comes to dietary supplements, we're looking at structure function claims. And so we're also, when it comes to that, a lot of the different companies, they have to do a certain level of testing, but of course it's not the same level of testing as a prescription medication. Right. So when it comes to these companies, a lot of the a lot of them now are posting their COAs, their certificate of analysis. Mm-hmm. So you can go to their website and see if they've posted it. And if they haven't, you should just go to their contact us and send them a quick email. And they should be able to send that to you. That should be public information. Um, and they can really show you that they've done the studies and tests and everything. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that the companies that you don't want to trust will either not respond or they won't have a COA because they haven't actually tested it appropriately. Do you happen to know like um, any specific companies that uh, work with physicians um, that have some of the higher quality, I guess, you know, and tested um, uh, adaptogen products? Yeah, absolutely. So there are some companies that are actually called professional brands or they're professional grade. And so that means that they actually go through a lot more testing than any sort of, you know, adaptogen that you would find on the, like in any sort of pharmacy. And so these professional brands, actually, they work through practitioners. So they're ones that you cannot find at any sort of like pharmacy or like corner store. So you have to actually go through a practitioner and have some sort of consult or something like that um, where they have that relationship with the company to get you that product. Right. Um, I don't know if I should be name dropping products or brands or anything. But <laughs> Do you have any brands that, that you're familiar with that work with physicians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Standard Process is the main one that comes to mind. I really like that they're like very whole plant. I mean, I have a a colleague who literally has gone to some of the farms to see where they actually like grow everything and their process and everything. So I think Standard Process is a really, really great example of working with practitioners and really using top quality products. Yeah, the Standard Process has been around for a long time. So that's a a good one. Mm -hmm. Now tell mm-hmm. you are you your training. Well, tell me about your training in this area. Uh, well, in general, mm-hmm. you have some interesting training. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've always been interested in holistic health and wellness and plant medicine. Um, and I knew that I wanted to do something in healthcare. And so when I thought of pharmacy, I thought of, okay, there's so many different ways of healing. Um, and when we're learning about pharmacy, there's so many other ways as well. So if I go into pharmacy, then I can do these other things too. And I knew pharmacists that did such a variety of things. So I decided to go the pharmacy route. Um, but I felt like in school, I was just missing that preventative aspect. I was missing like, for example, when they would say, oh, lifestyle strategies, we didn't actually talk about what that meant. So I found myself like looking up information and really like trying to educate myself just out of like sheer interest. And I thought that I would maybe end up going back to school or something after and maybe getting a master's in nutrition or like looking into functional medicine or something like that, because I really wanted to marry what I had learned in pharmacy school with 
other information, like other information that really like looks at that holistic overview. Yeah. Um, so during our last year of pharmacy school, we have a chance to do rotations at different sites. And so I really wanted to curate my schedule to do things that I was interested in because I'd heard from other people sometimes they end up in rotations they're not happy with yeah. or rotations that they're like just really not interested in. So I had a chance to come out to LA, which is where I am now, um, to do a rotation at an independent natural pharmacy. And I just found like, finally, I found everyone says that they finally find their place in their profession kind of a thing. And I felt like I finally found where I was supposed to be. And I was around people who thought like me and who thought like, okay, so maybe they have to take their prescription medication, but also they could do all these other things to improve their quality of life and just feel so much better um, and be able to achieve so much more. So I, I really, really loved that. And so um, I talked to my, so she's my preceptor at the time and is now my mentor. Um, and I asked her, you know, would you be willing to train someone as an apprentice or as a resident or something like that? And um, we decided to come together and start the first ever PGY, once a postgraduate year one postdoctoral specialized training program for pharmacists in integrative health and medical cannabis. And so I did that training with her. Um, I did that training at that independent natural pharmacy, as well as an integrative HIV clinic. Um, and we did a lot with education. And that's a really, really an area where we synergize so well, because we're both so interested in bringing natural medicines education to healthcare practitioners, and to students, of course. Um, so we also did a lot of teaching. And so I'm still adjunct faculty at a few colleges of pharmacy and colleges of traditional Chinese medicine, where I've either guest lectured or I've taught like full on semester long courses. So that's something I'm really, really interested in, really passionate about. And now I have the chance to consult and work with some CBD botanical brands and I get to serve as their medication or their medical expert, really. So if they have any customer service questions that come in that they don't feel comfortable answering or something that they would have said, oh, ask your doctor. And so they can just ask me and then I can interact with the patient. Um, and then I also do a lot of like multimedia content creation for them, whether that's like videos or um, like blog posts or really anything that they're looking for from like the educational perspective. See, I do a lot of different things, but they all are really rooted in like the education of natural medicines. That, that's fascinating. So you were mentioning that you, you did natural, uh, natural medicine pharmacy. Is that correct? Um, so it's called integrative health pharmacy. Yeah. Okay. Overall. Mm -hmm. now, tell me what that actually entails. What does that mean? How is that different than say, yeah. is it like, a, is it, is it different than a compound pharmacy or are they the same? Oh yeah. Very different. So I'll explain. So the pharmacy where um, I did my training at independent natural pharmacy is very, very unique. And so it has pharmacists, but it also has other licensed practitioners, which is why I know a lot about those professional brands, because those were ones that we actually had in stock because we had pharmacists, herbalists, acupuncturists, nutritionists, homeopaths, all working together in this pharmacy setting. But it really was more like a consult service. I think about it as because the patient or the customer would come in and either know that they want to talk to the homeopath to do X, Y, Z, or have some sort of like um, great discussion that would lead to them buying a product. Or they came in and said, I have this ailment or I've been feeling this level of stress or something like that. Um, and then they would be directed to a practitioner that would best help them. And a lot of the time it was the pharmacist working with another practitioner. It was a homeopath working with a nutritionist, like really just 
depending on the patient. So it, it has that like level of personalized, individualized medicine that I think is so important. Yes. Um, and so when it comes to integrative health pharmacy, the way that I define it, the way that I practice it, is that it's really the intersection of conventional pharmacotherapy, so conventional medication that we would think of, whether that is prescription or allopathic, um, any sort of allopathic medication, right. um, that intersection with the quote-unquote like complementary or unconventional therapy. So um, I think that for most patients, those like multiple modalities or even more than one modality really is the best for their health and healing. Um, and by modalities, I mean like other methodologies of medicine. So homeopathy being one of them, um, Eastern and Western herbs, therapeutic aromatherapy, um, sleep hygiene, which I love talking about. Um, and then hygiene. also nutrition, Yeah, sleep hygiene. So important. Sleep impacts so many, so many different things of life. So um, yeah, so sleep hygiene, nutrition, um, and then also like having healthy relationships, just really like all the aspects of being a human being, really. Being a human being. I, I love that. That's a good, yes. <laughs> you know, if you, I love talking about sleep hygiene as well. Can you, uh, can you mm -hmm. give us a little, uh, some, some, some really good data on sleep and, and how, what you were oh, talking yeah. about sleep hygiene? Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much good data when it comes to sleep. Um, so there's a great example. So when I was working at the clinic, a patient came in and said, you know, I have really been having issues sleeping. So my friend recommended that I drink tea before I go to bed. And so I was like, okay, that, that could be a great recommendation. So then I asked a few more questions about what kind of tea they were drinking. And so it actually, they were drinking green tea oh. so it's actually stimulating yeah. rather than like the teas we would think of like an herbal tea like a chamomile or something like that that would be a bit more relaxing um so just things like that where there is like that level of misinformation out there so whenever i can come in and swoop in and tell them that oh yeah the tea is right but we just need to change which tea it is kind of a thing right. um but yes there's so much great research when it comes to when you when your body really does have that time to rest and rejuvenate itself and you wake up and you don't wake up to an alarm, which is something I've really, really been trying to do, especially in quarantine is like really go to bed and feel like I have that restful sleep and know that I'm going to wake up in time for whatever I have in the morning. I just think that that is so important to not be startled and really to let your body go through all the, the REM cycles and everything that it needs overnight. So I think that's like, very, very important. And there's really great research to support that. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, you said you also were the, you, you started um, the first, um, I guess this is a training for uh, interns. Is that basically, can you tell me more? Um, for pharmacists, for pharmacists. So it's like once you've graduated and you're looking for further training, yeah. Um, and so it's like a, a residency program. So there are residency pharmacy programs that are at hospitals, um, that are at other retail pharmacies, for example. Um, there are some that are a combination of the two. Um, but I didn't see any that had a specialization in integrative health or in medical cannabis. So we wanted to start the first one. And so our program really was based in those two sites as well as having a lot of that educational component. Right. And so... Uh... Mm -hmm. Dealing with medical cannabis, I've I've had some other interviews uh, dealing with that. Um, it, mm -hmm. it, it's uh, it's a it's a it can be a touchy area. Um, yeah. uh, with with medical like CBD especially, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of 
you know, who knows what's in your product problems. Is that, would you absolutely? So how, how can you really know, I guess, who to trust and, and, and what, uh, you know, what to use? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I get that from practitioners. I get them from patients. Um, It comes back very much to what I was saying about the certificate of analysis. You'd be surprised how many companies I've I've done this to test, like how many companies don't respond or like say that they need some time to get it, never get back to you. Um, And so really, if you can find a company that is very upfront with their certificate of analysis, if you find a company that has someone medical on their team or someone that has some sort of medical background, because I found a lot of cannabis companies, well, I don't want to generalize, but there are quite a few cannabis companies that are out there that are really just there to make money and they don't really know what they're doing. Um, So I think it comes down to who's on the team. Perhaps if you know someone on the team, I mean, that would be fabulous if you can trust them. Um, But really seeing if they're doing the testing that's needed That being said, I know there's a lot of issues with testing and there's not a lot of standardization in that. Um, But it's really just seeing if you can find a brand you can trust. Yeah, because when even Mm -hmm. if you get a certificate of analysis, what is it you're going to be specifically looking for on there that that tells you, okay, this this company is a a good quality company? What is it you're looking for? So you're looking to see if the label actually matches what's in the product. And so that's something that you would see in the certificate of analysis. And you would also see if there were any like contaminants or pesticides or anything. And that's actually a huge movement right now in the cannabis industry or specifically CBD industry and getting like clean certified, getting organically certified and all of that is very important. And it's, it's helping some companies really distinguish themselves from others. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, mm-hmm. so let's uh, make sure to, uh, if when people are interested and want to talk to you more, how, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, yeah. So connect with me on LinkedIn. That would be a great way. Um, also, you can just send me an email. So it's Swathi at Dr. Swathi. So it's just my first name, S-W-A-T-H-I at D-O-C-T-O-R.com. And then my website is D-O-C-T-O-R. Um, and I always keep that updated with like upcoming speaking events, upcoming interviews. Um, and then I also post a lot of the recordings and um, a lot of the articles that I write. So you can stay up to date with some of the stuff that I'm doing. 